Ladies and gentlemen, great to see you all. Was it, was it just me this morning, or um, could you really feel the presence of God? Yeah? Because I don't know about you, but I'm, I could like really feel the, the, like the, the fire of God um, this morning. And, and like, I've, got a, I've got obviously something that I've prepared, but you know, I'm, I'm quite willing to, uh, to step aside. So, and um, this morning, church, I want us all to be involved in, in what we do. We've been looking at the parables, and I have to say... I was speaking to Dan before the service and, you know, we, we were saying, you know, how challenging it is to read the parables, but also how challenging it is to actually preach them as well because, there's, you know, I've been repenting all week. You know, it's been like, it's been like a, a, as I've read and as I've been convicted by God's word. Oh, I should have said, I'm Phil, by the way. I'm, I'm part, I'm, it's my great honor and privilege to be part of the leadership team of here and um of this church, and um, I always tell people that I'm God's favorite, and um, the reason I do that is not because I don't think that you're God's favorite too, it's just that for years in, in my life, I struggled with rejection, and when Jesus came and took that away, um, he told me that I was his favorite, a bit like in the John in the Gospel of John when he says, you know, the disciple that Jesus loved as he's writing about himself, and um, I want you to know this morning that you're God's favorite and that he loves you. And that you have a very, very special place in his heart. And so, and this morning we're going to be looking at um, the story of the great banquet. Before we get into it though, who's, who's ever been invited to a, a really prestigious event? You've got an invitation through the post and you've been invited and, and how that made you feel. Um, you know, maybe it was um, um, Harry and Meghan's wedding. Or maybe it wasn't. Maybe you're one of the few fortunate ones. But when we receive these invitations, it makes us feel um, special. It makes us feel honored. Um, it can make us feel overwhelmed. We can be apprehensive about what will it mean to go to such a prestigious occasion. Well, this, um, this parable that we're looking at today is the great banquet, and it appears in Luke 14, verse 15 to 24. So if you've got a Bible, um, please flick through. Um, to that and, and read with me. The central message, and if you go away with nothing this morning, go away with this. Um, the gospel is for everyone, and you are invited. The gospel is for everyone, and you are invited. Luke 14, 15 to 24. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servants to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I've just got married, so I can't come. 
The servant went back and reported this to his master. And the owner of the house became angry and ordered the servant, go quickly into the streets and the alleyways of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you have ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads, the country lanes, and compel them to come into my house so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. The background to this parable is that Jesus was um, invited to a party. It was a, a Jewish party, and um, it was basically a bit of a, a trap. Uh, he was invited to um, come and sit at this feast, and when he gets there, there's a guy there who had um, dropsy, um, oedema, a swelling of the body. And of course, Jesus being Jesus, goes straight in there. He's not really bothered about what people think. I love that. And he heals the man, and then... Um, you know, and then he, he basically starts to give them some, um, some pretty um, powerful teaching. Firstly, on the fact that um, it's okay to heal on the Sabbath. You know, this man was in need. Jesus met his need. And he said, you do the same thing. So don't criticize me. You know, if, if your son falls into a well or whatever, you know, if you see somebody in need, you help them. Right? So don't be, don't be judging me for, for doing something on the Sabbath. And then he starts to challenge their humility which again, um, just like our Jesus, isn't it? He challenges them, you know, he says, um, whoever exalts himself will be humbled and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. And he's, he's challenged them that because when the, when, the, when the feast, when the banquet started, they all rushed for the, for the best places. They were all sat at the front and, and you know, there, you know, um, in the best places. And Jesus saying, no, don't do that. When you, when you come to a, a banquet, sit towards the back. And then, um, otherwise, you know, if, if you sat at the front and somebody more important comes in, and then you're asked to get up and move places, then you're going to look foolish. You know, take the position of humility in everything that you do. And, um, and then he starts to question them, on, even on the people that they're actually invited to their parties. And that was a real challenge to me. And I thought, do you know what? And he was saying, you know, don't just invite your rich friends and those people that might invite you back. Don't just invite your rich friends and those that might invite you back. And I was thinking to myself, gosh, but that's what I do. I mean, put your hands up if that's kind of what we do. We invite people that we know. We do invite people that we know. And I was really challenged by that. And I thought, well, has there been ever been a time that I haven't done that? And, wh and what was the outcome? And I was trying to think. And then I remembered um, when, my, um, when my son was a baby, Luke, um, we had a dedication service at Trafalgar Street Church. And there was a, there was a few guys that used to come to the church. That um, One of them was a Scottish guy that was always drunk. And um, it, it was called Andy. I don't think he's any, with us anymore, sadly. But Andy used to come in and um, often be quite loud at the back. And, you know, and he would come in. And, um, so there was an announcement from the front, you know, um, the dedication of Luke Irving. And, um, and then the family um, invite everybody to come. To the, to the dedication buffet, and there was like relatives in the back, you know, buttering bread like it was going out of fashion, and um, everybody was invited back. And of course, Andy was invited as well, because God had told us that, you know, we shouldn't discriminate. And it was really interesting, the reaction from uh, my, uh, my non-Christian family at the time were, 
um, initially quite shocked that there was this guy that was um, sat there that was, you know, maybe didn't smell great, um, maybe was a little bit drunk, um, maybe it wasn't um, dressed up like they were dressed up at this um, occasion. But what happened was that as the afternoon went on, they began to talk to him and get to know him. And he suddenly went from being um, the homeless guy, the drunk, to being somebody that they could relate to, somebody that they knew. And, and, and suddenly compassion um, rose up. And so they, they changed their position. And it was really interesting to see. And I think that's what Jesus is saying. It's like, you know, um, get to know people. Love people. Have compassion. You know, we, we, you know, we're all the same. We're all people. We're all people that need love. The gospel is for everyone. And everyone is invited. What is the gospel? The gospel is that there is a God in heaven that loves you. There is a God in heaven that loves you. But we as people mess up. And our sin, our messing up separates us from God. We're separated from God. But God sent his son Jesus, and, and the Bible tells us that he who knew no sin became sin, that we should be right with God, that we can become right with God. And it's a free gift. The gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. That's the gospel. That's the good news. Something that we don't deserve, something that we haven't earned, something that we, we can't attain by good works, something that we just receive as a free gift of grace can be ours um, just because God loves us. And you can either accept that or you can reject that. But the truth is, is that God loves you and he wants to have a relationship with you. And that's the good news of the kingdom. The kingdom of God is about Jesus and coming and making the world right. God didn't destroy the world again. He came to redeem the world through Jesus. The great banquet represents the kingdom, and we're all invited. And it's going to be um, the banquet of, of all time and history. Can you imagine? Now, don't be disappointed that you weren't invited to Harry and Meghan's wedding, because I tell you, you've been invited to something far greater. Far greater. Far greater. Isaiah 25. We just flick through to Isaiah 25. Yeah, Isaiah 25 tells us, on this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a rich, a feast of rich food for all the peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats and the finest of wines. On this mountain, he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all peoples, the sheet that covers all nations. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away tears from all faces and remove all people's disgrace from the earth. The Lord has spoken. That's the, that's the party that we're called to. That's the kingdom of God. And it starts when you receive Christ. It starts now. It's not something that we, we, just, we just receive at the end of time. You know, your life in Christ starts now. You know, if you're not, if you're not living in the kingdom, then you're missing out. You're really missing out. There's so much to God that you, that you don't have unless you receive him. And I encourage you today, if you're sat here, Maybe you've been in church 100 times, 150 times, or maybe this is your second or third time. doesn't matter. Just receive him. 
Just receive him today. He's amazing. The gospel is for everyone. And everyone is invited. What does it mean by everyone? Well, it means every tribe and every nation and every tongue. In Revelation, we see um, the scripture, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation and from all tribes and all peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. The gospel is for everyone. And um, in our story, in this parable, um, invitations back in the day were a, a kind of twofold invitation. So you would get invited so that somebody would come to you and say, we're having a party, there's going to be a wedding feast, there's going to be this, and uh, you know, are you going to come? Yeah, we're going to come, great. Right, well, when the food's ready, we'll let you know. And so there would be like a, a twofold kind of invitation, and that's what was happening here. So these people... Um, that were making excuses, had been invited to come. And they said, yes, we'll come, we'll come. And, um, yeah. Next slide, please. And, and basically, when they, were, when they were invited, they were, you know, they were basically just um, making up excuses, um, getting out of what they'd already said that they'd agreed to do. We're part of an amazing family of churches called Regions Beyond. It's a family that um, goes right around the world. You know, culturally, um, absolutely diverse. But all together with the same heart and the same purpose. To reach the lost, um, to worship God, to proclaim the gospel. And it says, doesn't it, for him, which is Jesus, for one another and for the nations. And that's our heart and that's, that's what's happening in this church. Look at all the different nations that are in this place. We're all for him. And we're for one another. We're there for each other's success. And we're for the nations. Yes, we want to bless Hull. Yes, we want to reach the people of this city. But also, yes, we want to bless the nations of the earth. We want to, we want to plant churches all over the place. We want to reach out. We, don't want to, we just want to stay in this building. We, we, we want to be busting out. We are new wine. New wine um, is not contained in, in, in old wineskins. New wine is put into new wineskins. Because why? Because there needs to be that flexibility. And we want to be people that are just like led by the Spirit where we, where, you know, we, we, just, we just go with what God is going, what God is showing us and what God is pressing on. I love, I love this church and I love the, um, the connection with regions beyond. Because I can see that it is the, the heart of God, you know, to go from here and, and to the nations of the earth. You know, we're going to Malawi. We've, we've been to Romania. We've been to other places too. We've got people in here that are going to Russia and Poland. Yeah? We've got hearts to go to, to the nations of the earth. Let's, let's keep encouraging each other to do that and to press and, and, and to push. Yes, we want to reach Branzome and Orchard Park. Yes, we want to reach West Hill. Yes, we want to plant congregations around the city. Yes, we want to reach the, the council estates where there's, where there's no church and no life. Yes, we want to do that. But at the same time, we want to go to the nations. And we want the nations to come here as well. So these um, three people in the story were um, making excuses. 
Um, you know, when, when my kids were little and they wanted me to do something and I'd, like, I had a hard day at work and I was laid there on the city chillaxing, I used to say to them, uh, you know, um, oh, no, I'm sorry kids, I can't, I've got a bone in my leg. You ever, you ever use that one? Hey, you see my favorite excuse. I'm, I'm sorry kids, I can't, I've got a bone in my leg, you know. And of course we've all got bones in our legs. Um, but these excuses that these people were making are, um, were ridiculous, right? Um, I can't come to the banquet because I bought a field. Just think about how stupid that is. Do you think he would have bought the field without looking at the field? And where's the field going to go between now and the end of the banquet? Is the field going to disappear? Is the field going to move to a different city or a different region? Nah. Ridiculous excuse. Or I, buy, I bought five yoke of oxen. Nobody, nobody shells out that kind of money without first seeing that they're okay. Again, a lame ridiculous excuse or the other the best one was I've just got married like that changes much when it comes to going to a banquet it just means that you've got somebody else to go with right right it's not an excuse right not to go to a banquet and um, and so and the the owner of the house is absolutely furious they've said they're going to come right he's got the food ready and now they're not going to come and it leaves him with a problem he's got all this food what does he do? So he sends his servant out. He sends his servant out to the poor. You know, Romans 1.20 tells us that um, for since the creation of the, world, of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature has been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. We're without excuse to reject God. Any, any excuse that gets you to the place where you abandon God or reject God, is, is, that's a lame excuse. God's revealed himself in creation. God has revealed himself through the person of Jesus Christ. Excuses get you out of things without taking ownership. Excuses lay the blame elsewhere and give you a reason to feel okay about shaking responsibility. Do you like the way I said shaking then? It's my whole accent. Shaking um, responsibility. Taking shortcuts or even just being lazy. Excuses are active in all of our lives. Some use them blatantly while others engage in, small, in such small ways that we don't even recognize it. Although excuses come in different shapes and sizes, all excuses have this one thing in common. They enable us to avoid facing the truth. Do we make excuses for not doing the things that God is calling us to do? And the answer has to be yes. But is that right? See, as I've been preparing this, God has been absolutely nailing me on excuses that I've made to not do the things that he's called me to do. I, I've got to make some changes in my life because of this scripture. I've, I've got to make some changes. Um, uh, to not do that would be um, even greater sin. And so, excuses, even though they may be um, a half truth, they represent a whole lie. A half truth is a whole lie. Everybody say, a half truth is a whole lie. You can't get away from it. 
You, know, you see, the truth, truth is truth. And um, that means that we, uh, we need to quit making excuses. We need to quit. And we need to be honest about who we are. Um, if, you, if you can't attend something, right, if you can't do something that you've been asked to do, either by um, people in the church, or you just need to be honest about it. I can't do it because I don't feel I'm in the place and I need more training or I need more encouragement or um, I've got some problems in my life. We, we just need to be people that are honest before God and before each other. The excuses that these Jewish people were given were no excuses at all. They had the law, they had the prophets, they had the Messiah, the Son of God, standing with them, before them, doing signs and wonders. They had everything. And they'd not understood. They'd not understood what, what this was all about. They'd not understood that Jesus was who he said he was. But that opened up the door for another group of people. And he says, go to the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame, and invite them to come in. And we love that, don't we, in this church? We love that it says that. You know... In the Bible, if it says something, um, if it gives us like an instruction about something, like once or twice or three times, like we take note of it, don't we? If it says it 20 times, then it's like, all right, this is something that God is really, like really interested in. God speaks about poor, the poor, and justice for the poor more than 2,000 times in the Word of God. More than 2,000 times. The poor and justice for the poor. More than 2,000 times in the word of God. And the thing is, is that did you notice how the, how the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame react with such gratitude? There's no like, oh, I can't mate, you know, I've got something else to do. No, they came. They came. They came. Do you know, um, in my very, very limited experience, you know, um, I've found that as I've hung out with people that are in extreme poverty and need, that I have learned so much about God and about myself. There's a grandma in Malawi that taught me everything I know about generosity. In a single afternoon, sat on her, her porch. Um, she has a, a, a mud hut. She has a, a granddaughter with HIV. All the rest of the family have been, um, um, have died of, of HIV. And she is, she must be like close to 80. And she, she plants seed and harvests. And she looks after her granddaughter, Agnes. And Shine Relief Trust is there on the ground helping her and supporting her in her home with her granddaughter. But we went round to see her. And she just harvested all of her peanuts. And she was so excited and so pleased to see us that she, she started like heaping up all these peanuts and, and, and giving them to us as an offering. And inside of me, I'm like going, no, I can't take these, but I had to. Because to, to, to throw it back in her face would have been, would have been <laughs> so wrong. And I had to, and, I had to and, and Susan, bless her, had this new, she just bought a new handbag or got a new handbag from somewhere. And this, she was piling up all this mud and, and peanuts off the ground into Susan's bag, and it, be, it was full to the brim with, with peanuts. 
And we were just like, wow, what generous. She didn't have anything. She had less than nothing. But she gave. And that's what the poor are like. We learn so much from them, more than we could ever, ever um, teach them. Um, the scripture that um, really, really um, kind of broke me, um, just go to the next one. And the next one. And the next one. Yeah, that. Thank you. The scripture that really broke me was this scripture. Um, when we were... When we were thinking about, um, or when we were praying with Susan and Hastings in Hull about um, going to Malawi, and we used to pray with them a lot, and then one day in a meeting, God gave us this scripture, and it says, if anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Question mark. Can you see that question mark? There's a question mark. It's a question. It's a question that God was asking me at that time personally. Will you do something about this situation? Will, will, will you go and do something to help these people that are, that are in the dirt? Will you go and help some of the one million orphans that are in Malawi? Will you, will you do something about that? And that was just personally to me, that was God saying, will you go? Will you do something? And I looked at that, and how can the love of God be in that person? And if we make excuses, and if we turn our back on the things that God is calling us to do, then how can the love of God be in us? How can the love of God be in us if we don't at least do something? It, it might only be a small thing. It might only be 50 pence. Yesterday we received um, the, the most precious gift um, into shine from Cyrus. You know, Cyrus is a child of... Lavar, yeah, yeah, hi. And um, he'd, he'd got up early in the morning because his mum was coming on the walk and he'd given us a pound from his pocket money. That's so precious. A small child would give a pound. That's precious. He's, Cyrus has got the heart of God. He's understood, he's understood what it is to, to care for the poor. The poor are, are, are close to God's heart. And so the poor come, and the servant reports back, and it's great, and they're all there. And then he says, but there's, there's still room. So he says, oh, there's still room. Right, well, um, yeah, we'll go into the roads and the country lanes and make them come in, compel them to come in, so that my house will be full. Go into the country lanes, go everywhere, and invite them, compel them to come in. And have you noticed that in this story, um, the owner of the house is not the one that's going out and doing the inviting. The owner of the house is not the one doing the inviting. It's his servants that are doing the inviting. Yeah, it's his servants that are doing the inviting. That's us. That's us. We're the ones that get to go and do the inviting. We're the ones that get to go and compel people to come in. Yeah, thank you. 
Compel means to force or oblige someone to do something. Why would Jesus use such strong language? Because it's that serious. It's that serious. We don't preach um, hell very often in this country anymore. But that's the alternative, isn't it? We don't like to pre we don't like to offend people. We've become very PC. Um, uh, most of the time, I don't really care about that. Um, I, I don't count myself as a people pleaser. Um, and for the sake of the kingdom, I would tell somebody that they were going to hell if it meant that they would run into the arms of Jesus. Because it's a serious thing. We need to compel people to come in and, and, and let them know that they are, they, the gospel is for everyone and that they're invited to come to this great banquet, that they're, in, they're invited to come and meet with Christ. The opposite of compelling somebody is to block them, is to delay them, is to deter or hinder, impede, obstruct, stop, dissuade, and worst of all, leave alone. What would it be like if we just left people alone? What would it be like if we, on a Sunday, we shut those doors, we closed up, we had a great celebration party, we worshipped God, and we didn't let anybody else come in because we've already received such rich grace. What kind of people would that make us if we didn't share our hearts with those that were lost and broken? What would that make us? Make us selfish, make us evil, make us unkind, make us not the people that God has called us to be. No, we're, we're supposed to be the people that are the opposite, that go out and compel people to come in. The reason that the church um, in the Western world isn't growing as fast as it should be is because we've forgotten how to share the gospel with people. We've forgotten. We need to get back to that. We need to get back to sharing the gospel. And, and let me tell you that it's not easy. It's difficult. It's hard. But it's worth it. It's worth it. The greatest, the greatest joy in my life is when I see people come to Christ. I love it because I know what's going to happen afterwards. It's not just like about the, the, the point where they say yes. It's what I see afterwards. I love seeing the journey of people's lives change and, them, and receive Christ. And they come back and say, oh, I've just read this about Jesus. And oh, my goodness. And, oh, and, and, and then they start telling their friends and their families. And then, then, oh, it's amazing. It is the best news ever. And we, we've, we've, got to, we've got to get over our insecurities and our wanting to be comfortable. We're not called to be comfortable. That's a lie. That's a lie. We're not called to be comfortable. We're called to go to the lost and the least and the lonely, to the broken, to the hurting. We're called to go. And, you know, Jesus has only got one strategy or one group that's going to do that on earth, and it's the church. It's us. There isn't, there isn't anybody else coming, guys, right? You know, there's no other solution for the city of Hull 
It's us and all the other churches that are in hold today. We're it. Right? There's, there's, there's no cavalry coming to, to, you know. It's us. And God wants to empower us um, to make a difference. And the idea that it should be the leaders and the evangelist is the one that should be bringing people into the church is absolutely ridiculous. Right? We don't believe in professional ministry here. We're not a church that believes that. You know, we don't believe in special people. We believe in a special God who can work through every, every person. I was listening to a, a, a sermon from the, the river in um, Tampa last week, and there was a 10-year-old saying, telling the church that she had a sole goal of 10 people to come to Christ. A 10-year-old had been out on the streets with a sole goal to win 10 people, and she'd actually led 21 people to Christ right, on the Saturday afternoon. And I'm like, I'm so challenged by that. Because, you know, we go out into the street once a month, and there's usually only like three or four of us. Out of everybody in this church, there's only usually three or four of us. And we share our faith with, you know, like 10, 20 people. And, and we do share the gospel, and we, and we do pray for the sick. And things do happen. It's great. But, you know, we're a long, long way from where we need to be. Put your hand up if you would love to see... Um, in 2019, at least one person, or you would like to lead at least one person to Christ. Yeah, amen. It's a lot of you, isn't it? Well, if you put your hand up, come down the front now. Let's just, just want to come now. Just, just for, uh, it's an illustration, but please come. You put your hand up, just come. I just want you to look around and see what I can see. What would happen if every single one of you led somebody to Christ this year in this church? What would happen? We'd have this many more people in Jubilee Church. So what's the barrier? Well, the barrier is us exercising our faith and stepping out. And what I'd love to do now is I'd love to just, just let's just pray. I'm going to pray for the Holy Spirit to come and give you that anointing. And I want you to hear God because God's going to give you that person that you're going to lead to Christ this year. He's going to tell you um, the person that you're going to lead to Christ. And you're going to pray for that person and take responsibility for that and lead them to Christ. And over the next few weeks and months, we're going to hear the testimonies of what, what's happened. So let's pray. Let's just close our eyes. Heavenly Father, we, we pray for your anointing to come. We pray, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Spirit of God. Come, Spirit of God. Come, Spirit of God. Come, Spirit of God. Speak into our hearts, Lord God. Break our hearts for the things that break yours. Help us to share the good news of the gospel in Hull and the nations of the earth. Come, Spirit. Allow God to move. See him. 
settling all over the place on you. Let your power come, Lord. Let your power come. Let your power come. Let your power come. More. More, Lord. More power. More grace. More anointing. More, Lord. whatever excuse and whatever barrier you are trying to put up before God for not doing this just name it just name it call it out call it out this is too important call it out call it out stand in faith stand in faith pray that person's name right now that person that you want to lead to Christ this year Call it out. And let faith rise up. And let faith rise up. In Jesus' name. Yes, Lord. More, Lord. More, Lord. And while you're here, I just want you to um, put your hand on the shoulder of the person next to you. Yeah? And let's just pray. Let's just pray. Father God, Father God, we, we, we come in agreement that you would answer our prayers this morning, Lord God. We come in agreement, Lord God, that you would change our hearts and that you would break our hearts for the lost. The gospel is for everyone and everybody is invited. The gospel is for everyone and everyone is invited. Help us, Lord God, to go and invite those people to come to the banquet. Help us, Lord God. Help us, Lord God, to invite those to come to the banquet that they might have life, that they might have life. Our families, Lord God, our friends, our neighbors, and our work colleagues, we pray, Jesus, that you would come. In Jesus' name. I invite the band to come back up. Just stay, just one moment before the band. Everybody just stay where you are. You don't have to go back to your seats because when I worship God, you can stay where you are, you know, unless you need to sit down. But there are people here, maybe you've even come forward, maybe you're seated at the moment, but actually the invite is for you. That today, the Bible says, is a day of salvation. God invites you in today. If you've not given your life to Jesus and this morning, you're saying, today's the day I want to give my life to Jesus. Just put up your hand. Tom? Yeah. Martin, we pray with you for anybody else. Ben, you can lead Tom to Christ right now. We've been praying for Tom. This is one today, all right? Martin wants to come back to God. Martin's already prayed that prayer. Can somebody pray with Martin? One of our men. Phil, you're there. Can you just pray with Martin? Anybody else this morning? You know you're invited in and you need to receive Jesus this morning. The invitation's for you. Don't make excuses. Well, it's too embarrassing. It's too difficult. What will other people think? Anybody else this morning say, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to be in that banquet. Anybody else this morning?
Okay, well, let's worship God. Please do go and get the children, bring them back in. You can worship God where you are or to go back to your seat, but that's keep coming before God. And anybody else wants to this morning respond to Jesus and tell somebody he's brought you or come up the end, speak to Phil and say, I want to know Jesus. Just as Phil was preaching this morning, I opened the Bible up. Romans 10, verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart he was raised from the dead, you will be saved. And that is not, that's for Jews and Gentiles, it's for everybody. But in doing that, you've got to be active. You've got to come forward and just say those words. So I just believe there are people here this morning who want to make that step of faith. So, but be bold and take courage because God is with you.